welcome to the Ashtanga Dispatch Podcast. I'm your host, Peg Mulqueen. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably love learning like I do. You probably have questions about yoga, your own personal practice, and how all this fits into making our life and world better. Yeah, me too. Well, the irony for me is the more I practice and the more I do these interviews, the more questions I end up having. And today's episode with certified Ashtanga yoga teacher, Mark Darby, or Darby, as he tells me to call him, is no exception. Darby was first introduced to Ashtanga yoga with Patabi Joyce, Guruji, in Mysore in 1979. Now you do the math, but let's just say Darby's been practicing and teaching for a really, really long time. Now I've always wanted to meet both him and his wife, Joanne, but up until now, our paths haven't crossed. Though as in all things universally timed, I'd finally get my chance the last week Darby and Joanne are teaching Daily Mysore in Montreal. So special. Before our interview, my daughter Megan and I came in for practice. Well, I hadn't even finished my first sun salutation before Darby comes over to me and delightfully informs me my legs aren't straight. Now, I thought they were. I always think they are. But he was right. They were actually quite bent. It's a pattern of mine. And one he caught on to within minutes. Re-instructing me then from Agam to Dve in a way that felt really different than how I normally move between those two points. As I fold over Darby's closed hand below my navel, something else catches my attention. It's his feet. There are individual letters below each of his 10 toes. Now see if you can picture this. S, P, R, E, A, D, T, O, E, S. Spread toes. Yeah, he'll tell me later he's thinking of having this tattooed on his two feet. Practice becomes even more curious when I come to the floor and instead of binding in my seated postures and pulling myself forward like in the folds, Darby has me specifically not bind and push away instead. Dantian, he tells me. Look for Dantian. <sighs> if I had any questions prepared for our interview, they all went out the window. So if I sound a little tongue-tied at times, it's only because I'm not sure I was able to form words around what I had just experienced. Or at least, not yet. And actually, not even now yet. A few days later. All I can tell you is I found my legs in a whole new way after just one practice. Though I tried, tried to lure Joanne into the interview, Megan stole her away and got to chat intimately with her alone for the next hour. She still won't tell me what they talked about, but I can tell you, Megan was quite smitten. Perhaps the next interview will be in Costa Rica, where the two of them will continue teaching at their new retreat center. Maybe then I can convince Joanne to join us also. In the meantime, please, please enjoy this conversation with Darby. And if you're anything like me, this one will only make you curiouser and curiouser. Darby, I am so honored and 
I feel lucky to be here. So lucky to be here this week with you. And it's my last week. I know. That's why I feel so lucky. This is, this is um, crazy timing and amazing timing. I have the, my first question and it's burning on me. I can't believe you've been teaching Daily Mysore this long. I think I just assumed that you probably didn't teach a Daily Mysore program. Why not? That's the essence of the practice, the essence of the teaching. You know, workshops are beautiful, but if you're having Mysore programs, you know, and you're seeing the same students you have, you can follow on up. You know, a lot of time we do the teacher training and we want them the backup of the students coming here, then, they, then we can watch them all the time and enhance our teachings with them. It's so special. Well, it's another thing about Ashtanga, it's a, it's a strange thing, and a lot of people say this, and it's very true. It's very hard to do a practice at home. Yeah. When you're at home by yourself, there's all these distractions, and the same thing goes for me. If I'm at home, I get distracted like crazy. So the best thing was to find a place to practice. And so I just started opening a studio. And then I come here, and all I do is yoga because there's no distraction. So it's like everybody else. What time do you get here? Usually we get here at uh, around 4.30 in the morning. We do a, a meditation, a career yoga practice first. So that takes uh, 4.30, that's almost two hours. And then we do the asana practice, and then students come in while we're practicing. The early students come in. And then we start teaching around 7.30, quarter to 8. I'm still blown away that how long have you been doing this? Must be 19 years. I feel like such a baby. <laughs> well, I started much longer than that. I started when they started practicing 79. My first time with uh, Patabi Joyce. My first Asana uh, Stanga class was with Patabi Joyce, 1979. Will you go back and tell me that? I've just been to Mysore a few times, and I feel like my experience probably is amazingly different <laughs> than yours was. I mean, we are spoiled. There's Western food, there's bottled water, there's... Yeah, like you know, I mean, I can't even imagine what it was like when you went. Well, there's definitely no bottled water. We were, <laughs> and we just drank water from the tap. And uh, every six months we'd take worm medicine to get rid of the worms, which all the Indians were doing, the Tarba Joyce was doing. Um, uh, food we cooked ourselves. It wasn't the only Indian restaurants. And we were living very, very, very cheap. And there was hardly anybody there. The most we had was, uh, if we had eight students with Batavi Joyce, we considered it to be very crowded. Eight students? It was crowded. It was crowded. Yeah. We thought the room was crowded. We went back in 2000, and, and those 12 students in the same space jammed in. So. And Who? sometimes it's just Joanne and myself, just two students for, for many months. Because we stayed there. We stayed there in five years. We stayed four years. In five years, you stayed four, four years. So we stayed two years. We went to Australia for one year. Then we came back for another two years. And then came back to Canada. In that time, we practiced with the Tarva Joyce. Like I said, four of, four of those five years, two children. So then we came back here and had to, then I had to make money. 
You need to go back to the real world. You have to go back to the real world for a while. Yeah, yoga wasn't popular then, so it would have been very, very difficult to make a living. You know, it wasn't popular then, so what brought you to Mysore? Ooh la la. I, I mean... Well, I, what brought me to Mysore, I think it's, it's, it's kind of fate that happens. You just follow the universe, what it's doing. And, you know, I had originally been in India in 74, and I just fell in love with it. You know, I just, it was so different to anything I'd been, you know, I grew up in Australia, I was heading to England, going overland, which was a hippie route, sort of a traveller's route, and I went through India, and I got to India, and it was so different that I just uh, loved it. And also, it was spiritual, very spiritual, and it still is, but even more so than those, everybody's in temples, uh, you know, praying, every shop's got a Ganesh in it. So it was very, very beautiful. So that affected me uh, spiritually, and I decided to go back. I said, I'll go back and do yoga. But I, had no, I didn't have any idea what yoga was. So. And then I arrived in India. It was, it was too early to start yoga because I still wanted to go to Goa and have fun in Goa. So I went to Sri Lanka instead and surfed. So I was really going to the surfing for a few months there. And then I headed from Sri Lanka to Goa and passed through Mysore and decided that I didn't want to take all my possessions with me to, to Goa because I heard you get robbed and I was going to sleep on the beach anyway. So I left my backpack, my passport, most of my money I left in a hotel and in the funny place. I just left in my backpack. Anybody could have taken it. But it's a funny thing about India. You give somebody responsibility, they'll look after it for you. So... So then when I came back, you know, went to Goa, did my thing there, went to Gokana, uh, which is a very spiritual town uh, for Shiva, went to Shivaratri, and then I came to Mysore. I said, okay, now I'm ready to do yoga. And where's my teacher? Where's you know, asking the universe? We're asking Shiva. And I met a, a guy named Old Cliff. We called him Old Cliff, Cliff Baba, who now lives in Crete. Uh, Crete. And he said, come on, meet my teacher. That's Patapa Joyce. So it was, it was just that I left my bag in Mysore, and that's where I went back to get it. And then I was ready to start, and it happened. I don't know. Yours now sounds a lot simpler than mine. <laughs> yeah, well, simply you just follow you. I guess you follow your heart, or you follow what the universe is saying. You, know, you just listen and wait, wait for the have something in your in your consciousness that you want to do, and they, if you're ready for it, what you're ready for will come. Whether it's yoga or anything you want in life. There's a few other things that I've wanted in life would happen. And so I always say, be careful what you ask for. You might just get it. That's really interesting yeah. that you say that. I'm thinking about the way you went and the way I went. So much planning goes on. Do you, do you think... Oh, I feel like we have so much control over the things. Like, I wanted to know where I stayed. I, you know, had my accommodations already. I, my travel plans, everything was very set. It had been planned for years, you know, my first trip. Um, I knew exactly where to register. And the littlest things could throw any of us off, me off for sure, you know. Um, Not getting, you know, not getting to eat lunch on time. Stupid stuff, but... But while you're there, it doesn't feel like stupid. But I'm thinking about the way you did it. You just made it sound so easy. <laughs> it was. So... Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, like I said, I just wanted to do yoga, and that's the teacher I was 
put in front of me, and that's where I, that's where I took David Joyce. I was just lucky to have that teacher, more than lucky. The more, more I feel more lucky having him. You know, looking back at it, then I just we just took it for granted. That, in fact, I wrote letters to my mother. Um, uh, she kept every letter that I wrote to her, and when she died, I read them. And um, she was saying, I wrote to her and said, well, I want to stay here. We're practicing here, but she asked me, why are you staying here? I said, well, I want to stay because he's old. True, he's old, he might die any time. That was in 19, uh, 1980. So, so he lasted a lot longer than we. I think it was, I was just wondering about, like, the problem of privilege. You know what I mean? When you have so many choices, you make choices. Again, you, every, everybody makes choices. It's, again, making the right choices or just listening to what the universe offers and going with that. So you can listen to your heart as well. Yeah, I don't know how else to explain it. I just did it. Same thing, a lot of things. All things in my life are doing that. I have things that I want to do, but they just seem to happen. I've got amazing things happening in my life. And I'm not planning. They just seem to just come about. You met your wife in Mysore, right? Yes. Well, I started one week before she did. So. Really? Yeah, she came a week later. She came a different path. She was, she was traveling like I was. Um, and she was actually on her way back. Uh, she bought a, a, a ticket to go back. So she had one year to go back from the last trip. She'd already been traveling for five years or so, four years. And um, she went to, to study with Gitananda, who was in, on the cherry. And this is a place where uh, Manju went. So this is how David Williams got to meet Patabi Joyce. Manju was teaching in Pondicherry. She, uh, Manju, David Williams saw him and went to meet Patabi Joyce. So that's how the whole thing started. And for Joanne, it was, um, oh, what's his name? It was his nephew who was from Bangalore. His name eludes me at the moment. And um, so she went to study with him for, in Bangalore. And he, after two weeks, he said, go and meet my grandfather, go and meet my uh, uncle. Yeah, I guess uncle. Uh, go and meet my uncle and practice with him. So then she came and arrived in Mysore and... Same thing, she had a ticket, she was leaving one month later, she tore her ticket up and stayed. That's crazy awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, I forget, those years were very free. Uh, money was very available. Banks were giving good money, like Joanne put money in the bank and when we were travelling in these cheaper countries, her money was making money. She was making more than she... Oh, I, I don't say she's making more than she could spend, but uh, it lasted much longer, so... And same for me, I would go back to Australia and I'd work for one year and I could travel for three years. So that's what I was doing. So, so a lot of things were different. A lot of things. And we were just all, you know, the flower power, the first generation of flower power coming out. So we were just the hippies going around India and just full of, you know, um, inquisitive about Who was it with you? Who was it with you when you were first there? Uh, there was Cliff Barber, Old Cliff. There was a French lady with an English man, a German man who left after two days. And well, he'd already been there, but oh, okay. he left. You know. 
And then a, a couple of days later, another French boy arrived. And then Joan arrived a week later, and then the French girl and the English guy left. And then Joanne moved into their house, which was right on the other side. It was Guruji's house, so she moved in there. And I continued to stay in the middle of Mysore, near the market. Um, and then... You stayed in the middle of the market? Well, the market, just right. near the market. There was yeah. a hotel. We were living on the roof of a hotel. It was very cheap. Cheap. You know, I was living very cheap. And, you know, $100 a day per tabi, which is what he asked, $100 a month. Or 75 a month. For this month, 100 what he had was a huge amount of money. I had lived for two months on that amount of money. So it was a big, big deal. But I, you know, I was just ready to do the yoga. So the gift was given to me. So I didn't, I made the right decision and stayed. You made the right decision. Yeah. But after three months, I had to leave. I was, I was, I was just broken. I was beaten up. Just, what was that like? What was it like? It was intense. But uh, again, I'm, Getting beaten up, my back and my legs are blue, then it would switch, and I was just in so much pain. Joanne, I remember one time she was going to massage me, touch the back of my legs, I jumped and couldn't touch it. Um, many, many stories. It was very, that was the first three months. Afterwards, it got better because that was all the beginning, all the, the stretching at the beginning was all just, and it was intense every day. We just did not very much. First day was Sarai Namaskar A, B. Padangusha Sana, Padahasa Sana, Trikona Sana, Pashakona Sana, then the Padma Sana, the finishing Padma Sana series with Rutiti. That was it, first day. 15 minutes. And um, the next day, Adapasha, the next day, Adapasha. And so in three months, we'd learnt primary series. And that was the, the general way we worked. You went to Mysore, you stayed for three months, you learnt primary series. Didn't matter who you were, he would teach you. If he couldn't do it, he'd put you into it. And he would just, and I was also, you know, I'm uh, passionate as well, so I pushed myself, which was the worst thing. So. But after three months, I said, I need a break. I took, took a month off, then came back. And then, so it was three months for me, it was three months to learn primary. Joanne stayed, and uh, she didn't leave because she wasn't in any pain. <laughs> she was just different body. And then Guruji kept us together, so we both finished intermediate. It took, took me two months to learn intermediate. And then we started advanced. It was much quicker. Oh, my golly. Yeah. But it's way... It was quicker, but it was really intense as well. Oh, it was intense. Yeah. yeah was intense. <laughs> I, mean, I think sometimes we only hear one part of the, the sentence, but oh, I no, did. It was, yeah. it was intense. Joanne was fine. You know, cause she, don't forget, she'd spent six months with Gitananda in the ashram in Pondicherry. It was gentle halfway yoga, but lots of cleansings. So her body was very clean by the time she, she came, and, and it had already been opened up. I'd, I'd come from parties in Goa and surfing and things like that. I mean, I arrived in Mysore and started doing yoga, so, you know, big, big difference. So I had to go through all that. You had some catching up to do. Had some catching up, yeah. <laughs> yeah it was, uh, we often describe it as, what is it, a rabbit and the tur turtle? If she was a turtle, she'd just plod along. Right. <laughs> Yeah. And break down, ended up the same spot. So. Very... He married you, didn't he? Yes, yes. Yeah, well, he actually got us uh, again. He was, I said, Joanne moved into the house. And after the, I came back from that one month uh, vacation, I approached Patabi and said, Do you know somewhere around the area here? 
it's cheap, maybe a family or a cheap hotel that I can stay rather than being rather than be downtown because we had to, there was a it was like a twenty five minute walk. Mm -hmm. So um, we he said okay, okay, let me think about it, and then he approached Joanne and said to Joanne, hmm, you know, Darby, uh, good man, and she goes, mm, no money, and she's thinking what. I need to lend him money. He said, he stays at your house. So he actually really put, put us together in the house. So he played matchmaker. Pretty much. Oh, yeah. He was matchmaker. Because <laughs> the house was, you know, it was a big room. It was a huge room, but there was only one room, a kitchen. Um, the outside was a bathroom and the toilet and the shower, a little courtyard. But it was one room. You had to stay in the same room. And, you know, many months we were alone, just the two of us. <laughs> No other students. <laughs> Same house. So actually, actually, it got pretty bad because afterwards he put another French lady in, and another French lady came. So it was three French ladies and me. That was that was pretty bad <laughs> for me. I was gonna say for who? <laughs> for me. They, they were having fun, but I was speaking French. I didn't. I don't understand. Oh word no! It was just like the guy in the corner. <laughs> so. And then one left. There was only two. And it was funny. We were, uh, was giving a a lecture one evening and he's talking about, oh, woman, one woman in trouble. And he looked at me and said, but two women, big trouble. <laughs> so, big trouble, too. Big women. problem, big problem. Yeah. <laughs> big problem. Yeah, it's funny. And you have two children? Three. Three. Yeah, two and two How old are your kids? One, his birthday was just recently 37, that's Shankara. So he's, he's still teaching, he's teaching yoga, he's really... Taken over, taken, got into the yoga scene and uh, does his yoga and teaches. So, very, very good teacher. Have a chance to take a class with Shankar or a workshop with Shankar. He, he doesn't really teach classes, he does workshops. And the other two? Uh, Skanda, he's living in Costa Rica now, which we have. We nice. Have. Very nice. We just, uh, he was looking to buy something there and we were kind of thinking about looking for a place to do retreats. And we said, if you find something, let us know. Um, and he found this place. It was, uh, it was already a, kind of an apartment, four apartments. And, um, you know, so it was, it, was, it was there. So we had rooms to rent. So we set up, and it wasn't that expensive. The guy was uh, leaving. He's ready to retire. He just wanted to get rid of the place. So we bought it and another eight acres of land. So we had 10 acres of land and these houses. And so he moved in there. We went down to visit him. We said, well, we better start doing some retreats. We built a yoga deck. And then the place next door was under bankruptcy. And so we put in a really low offer and we got that. So then we had a really nice place. So that's where you're headed after this, isn't Basically, it? Well, it's, I still have to do work, so I have to pay for it. So. You have to pay it. <laughs> so I have to still keep, and I, so I have to keep teaching for a while. And, uh, but, how Eventually. long are you going to teach? I don't think I'm ever going to stop. You don't think? No, maybe I'll do less teaching, but I don't think I want to stop. I enjoy it too much. You do enjoy it. Yeah. And I, I have to tell you, I've gotten emails from your students over the years asking me to interview you, oh, that's talking nice. about how special you are. And we just talked to one of the students out here. She... She came over to me when she saw me and she said, I wrote you two years ago. And she did. She wrote me two years ago and she was having 
some issues and, you know, I just kind of went through menopause and I was very open about it and wrote about it. And so a lot of women were writing me and talking to me about, you know, different issues that they were having either with their cycle or pregnancy um, or menopause. And she was one of them and she wrote me and I never heard back from her. We, she must have, I wrote her back, whatever. And I just saw her and she told me she didn't write me back or didn't follow up with me, but it meant to because she was too busy chasing a toddler. And yeah, she tells the story. She says, Darby caught me pregnant. Yeah, yeah. I just heard her say that. I was in <laughs> So she said, Darby got me pregnant. And she did explain, but yeah, yeah, that's, uh, do you know what I'm talking about? I know, I know. We, she was wanting to get pregnant. I just, she was just too tight in her body. Her whole body was pushing too much. And if you're getting in, you know, as a lot of the shtangis do, they really push and push, then they can't, they're not soft enough in the belly to receive. So I just got her to soften uh, the, her practice and, and focus on other parts of the practice. Still working hard, which she still does, but put the focus instead of pushing really hard into working with something much softer. So that softness her. is so, I mean, I think even as women, we have worked really hard to become strong yes. and then retaining that sense of softness. Well, it, it doesn't matter as men and women. It's right, still, well, sure. You know, it's, it's, you don't, you, as soon as you tighten muscles, the body's going to respond. So if you t- contract your quadricep muscles, then the whole body responds and quadricep gets tight, the groins get tight, and everything shrinks to the quadriceps. If you can work the muscle and let the muscle lengthen, then all the muscles will respond and they'll soften. They're all being connected. Like, like I worked with you this morning, you know, had you in forward bends, and instead of pulling, I got you to push. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm coming back to that. I'm going to go back to something else that you did with the student that we talked about. She said you had her put a, a tennis, tennis ball. ball. Well, I have to tell you something. I thought it was crazy, and I never thought I would admit this. Well, not that I'm crazy, because... That's already known. But that I had, you know those dryer balls, the wool dryer balls? Mm-hmm. You know, they're like little balls. They're a little bit bigger than a tennis ball. Okay, yes. I yeah. had this idea, like, I've been trying to draw that part in, so I put that in yeah. my waistband. Yeah, but you're going to put it below the navel. Below, right, right. I put it like the, right the there. Yeah. But I'd never heard of anybody else trying that when she told me that you did that with her. And you were certainly doing that with me in the room. I mean, it's a definite work that needs that drawing yeah, that's, in. That's, well, that's, if you haven't got that, then you don't have bundle. Mm. That's, that's what the bundle is, this drawing in of the lower abdomen. So that's where it's, in Chinese, they call it dantian, which when I, when I teach Chinese people, it's very easy to say dantian, and they know exactly what I'm talking about, and it's very easy for them to connect. Dantian? Dantian. 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 So it's, it's, it means the source. The source. The source. The source of the Uyi Chi. So the source of the Chi. So that's what we're trying to get with, with basically Uriyanabanda, the way we're working Uriyanabanda, is getting the source of Chi, working it from Mulabanda, Uriyanabanda. But if we're not working from here and you're working from higher up, say, the, underneath the sternum, yes. and then you're blocking it. You're making this too tight. You've got to work from here. And this, I, I don't say it's going to be... Uh, soft, relaxed. It's got to be more relaxed. It's still toned, but relaxed. No, no tightness. 
We're all working our abdominal muscles. Well, apart. we shouldn't be working our abdominal muscles. That's Pilates. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I, I, I once had somebody say, I access things high up. And yeah, we don't want to. You want to access. You're right. still going to access high up, but your main point is going to be in Dantian. And let's again. I just gave you a term: the body response to what mm-hmm. what pressures are applied to it. This comes from our anatomy teacher. And whatever you do to the body, the body is going to respond to it. So if you are tightening muscles, the body is going to become tight. If you work from the Dantian, then the body is going to respond from that. And it's a very different approach. Very different. Really hard to find. It's what I showed you how to get it this morning. Yes, you did. You do. You did it. You you did a couple of different things, and and it's exciting. And at the same time, every time I think I have found some kind of pattern that's helpful, it, it opens up more questions. It opens up. You definitely worked with the breath and the patterning of the body. And you're working with it very clearly with me in a way that I've been trying to work, but then you added on, it was like you added on another step that I hadn't found. And that was the pushing. So one of your students came to Wanderlust and she came to the lead primary and she said, when we were binding in the forward folds, she said, Darby doesn't have me bind. And I said, oh, why? And she said, I don't know. Oh, really? Was this Mel? Yes. And she okay. said, I don't know. And I said, I have to tell her why. That's I told so, her why. I said, that's so interesting. I said, well, he must have a reason. Yeah, I was, she, I told her. <laughs> oh, well, I was going to ask you, but then you beelined over for me, and I realized exactly why. Be- there was something with the pulling and you had me relax on an inhale and push away on the exhale. Well, this is, this is to get you to get, from doing that, you get to go to the dantian. Right. Eventually, you don't have to push. You just squeeze, press the fingers, or you eventually get and you work from your dantian and work your way out or work from the bandha outwards from there. It was a technique. Here's, here's something. We, you see what I've written on there? When you oh my gosh. Your... Okay, those people that can't see, and we'll have to take a picture of that. <laughs> Darby has written on his tops of his feet, spread your toes. Yeah. So this is something I tell all my students all the time, because this is how you connect from the toes. And I've done this many places. People ask me to sign the mats. I'm always writing on the mats, spread your toes. So you see it every time you bend down to remind you. And I just thought, maybe I should... Make a tattoo. I want a new tattoo. Maybe I'll make a tattoo. That I, so I wrote on there this morning just to see what it would look like with a tattoo when I showed it to a few people. So they will laugh. How'd it go over? Oh, they laugh their heads. Yeah. <laughs> they will know. They will know what it means. So. But these are techniques. I but think people simple, get confused. You know, they come away with a story and they're like, oh, well, this person doesn't bind or this person doesn't. Yeah, well, there's two reasons I don't want people to bind. Uh, generally, when people bind, they pull the shoulder heads forward. Right. Which and I was that doing. closes off the back of the and you can't breathe. Right. So when you bring the shoulder blade back, which doesn't change anything, and even if you're pulling and you pull the shoulder blade, it means you're going to bring, pull your heart forward. Right. If you're pulling with the shoulders forward, you're pulling your neck forward, or the top of the shoulders. If you pull the heart, the neck still goes forward anyway. But it opens up the back of the body and really opens up the lung, the capacity of the upper chest to have the lungs expand. Whereas shoulders coming forward, 
then the top of the chest is closed off and the lungs can't expand. There's no, no place for them to expand. So there's less breath, less efficient breath. So that's one reason. And the other reason is if you don't, I don't want people to pull. If you start pulling, and then you end up by, people end up by stretching. You're pulling and stretching, and actually stretching is not good for you, just to, to be honest. Did you just say stretching wasn't good for you? Yeah, just to see how your reaction <laughs> You did just say that, didn't you? Yeah, that <laughs> But here we are, I'm going to give you an example. And okay. can't have this. But if I do this, this is stretching. How does that feel? It burns. Yeah, it doesn't feel good. Because <laughs> when you're stretching, you're pulling the ligaments and pulling the tendons and the connective tissues that are getting pulled. Now, do this, just reach forward. And right. that came from here. Yeah, it, it came, came from, from my middle body. So. You, it becomes there, it becomes in the middle. But everything ends up getting stretched anyway. What you just did there was you, you took my arm and you pulled apart, yeah. which... Not very hard, everyone, I'm still here, but pulled it apart, which didn't feel good. But then when I just reached, I accessed it from my body instead yeah. of just my arm. Yeah. And then your body's happy. And my body's happy. Because it doesn't, you know, when you, another thing, whenever people are feeling a stretch, a lot of people get addicted to it. But stretching is your body telling you, back off, you've taken me too far. People do get addicted to it. It's yeah. the sensation. It needs yeah, to be deeper. It needs to be deeper. They've got to pull harder and harder. And the next thing you know, they're starting to pull the bones apart and stretching, overstretching ligament. If you reach, you're never going to hurt yourself. Because you're doing it from your core. Core won't allow you to break yourself. I have so many thoughts going through my head right see. now. I, I know. I don't even know where to go with it because I have so many questions about the direction that we just went in um, with that. I want to go to the back bends. Is that okay? Yeah, you go to back. Yeah, go to back bends. You you did something different with me today, and I'm not really sure what it was you did, but it felt really strong. Good. And it felt strong in a good way, like I felt strong. Well, I just, again, got you connected first to your foundation. That's, yeah. And then I made you extend rather than just uh, pushing your groins forward and bending and going into your lower back or into your back. I had you reach from your feet, had you extend. So I first had you do a slight forward bend, right? You did. You had me do a slight forward, forward bend. That's I something just, John Scott does as well. Okay, that's good. And then I asked you to just look at your thumbs and follow your thumbs up and reach up to the ceiling mm -hmm. and reach back. So you created, by reaching up as high as you can, you actually push your feet deeper into the earth. So you really ground it. From that grounding, then you extended and started reaching back, but you were grounded and the body lengthened into the back bend instead of pivoting in, in different joints. And know, almost by starting with that slight forward bend, that is what brings you down to Dantian, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah, because it's a lot easier to access it there than it is when you've already... Well, again, I see a lot of people pushing their hips forward before they do the back bend, and they stretch, push the groins, feel the groins extend. Right, seems and logical. Well, think about it. Already, before they've done anything, they've stretched the groins. The groins gone to the maximum. There's no more stretch left. So when they go into a back bend, they've got to bend in other places. Think about it. You that makes your, sense. Push your hips forward, you stretch the groins, they stretch to the maximum, they are. Oh, and then they, some people say, oh, I need to open up my groins more. But they've just already extended. And some people I've seen have really open groins. 
really open, but they stretch them so far. There's no more stretch left, no more extension left. And we go into a back bend. Come forward, let it relax, take the whole body. Then you're going to work from your feet, basically to your hands. The whole body is going to go into the movement. And that's what I felt. I felt my legs in a new way that I hadn't, I haven't felt, I haven't been able to access on my own um, in a very strong way. I definitely felt my feet. Usually, again, I will squeeze around the, you know, About squeeze it. my butt a little. Yes. Look for Dantian. And the butt knows exactly what to do. Everything comes from that place. It actually it comes from that place. At the beginning, you may have trouble to access it. Generally, what I start when I first start teaching, I start teaching from the feet, from the toes. That's why I have spread your toes. Spread your toes. Spread your toes, which is what I teach. So what actually happens is the big toe touches, the little toe touches the floor, and the three middle toes extend. When I know that, you're creating an energy that's coming from the feet all the way up. River Dantian. Oh boy. Just, everything just becomes engaged. That was the other thing you said to me. And everybody, well, everybody doesn't say it. I see it all the time. You know, Instagram. You have an Instagram, don't you? No, I don't. I'm I just don't kidding. Know I know you don't have an Instagram. <laughs> I could, I could, maybe I've got to get one. I don't know what it is. You don't have to get one. Um, <laughs> But I remember, my, I remember taking a picture, and I'm always, my daughter says, straighten your back leg. And I say, it is straight. And she says, okay. And she takes the picture. And yes. I look at it and go, my leg wasn't straight. Yeah. And she's like, well, I know, I told you. But, but, yeah, I, know, but I think it's straight. It's yeah. not straight. And you came over to me. I don't think I did, I don't think I did more than a sun salutation. Yes, first one. So yeah, it was the first was one. You got me right away. First one, I saw the first one. You just came and said, why are you bending your leg? I didn't know I was bending my leg. Yeah, most people don't know. Like you said, you've got to take a picture. I've been practicing so long. <laughs> How is it? And it's not that long, because I'm uh, saying again, I'm talking you, to you. But... It depends. See, you're bending in your practice. You're bending from your hip. You're coming from right in the groin and bending forward like this. Yes. And what did I make you do? Come up from the dantian, so you're bending much, bending higher up. A little higher, which is what I've been trying to do. So that changes when you bend from the from the hip. You break your body in two, so you have the legs going up to the hip, and then your upper body going from your hip as well. So it gets broken. And this is all coming from uh, Thomas Myers and anatomy trains. So it comes from working when you come to dantian. It means the bending comes past here and brings everything from that leg over your body and connects all the way up to your head or your hand. So it becomes one continuous. Instead of two sections, you work in one. So instead and of it coming to a corner where it's broken, there's a rounded, there's a, a rounded, continuum. And then that shortness that you create by being in two means the hamstring goes, hey, that's as far as I can go, so the leg bends. But when you work higher up, all those extensions, all those extensions end up by going all over the body and coming up to the top of the head. So it's one unit rather than two. And that's how it works. So would I touch you? I put my hand on and you. Oh, you would take exactly think, like the punching is like like someone almost you know you didn't punch harakiri. but like you know what I mean. Harakiri. It has a name. Well, in Japan, they do harakiri in the, in the lower abdomen and cut themselves open. I used to teach it like that and uh, get people to understand it's harakiri. But I stopped because I was teaching a Japanese lady. She said, "Please don't, don't call 
Please don't do that. Don't call it harakiri. <laughs> well, I always think of it like someone punches you in well, the it's, stomach. Well, it's like someone's right? doing, you know, punching you in the stomach and you just react. And you react and you go so up, you pull, in, you down, back, lower, and up. Yeah, so you pull your lower abdomen. It's the first thing, you, not the upper abdomen, you pull the lower abdomen. Right. So that's the dantian. You did that. that right away to me. Well, I do it to everybody, but because I, I know that's where I need to get to. So I'm not... Out of the that's ordinary. Tennis, this is a, a, it is a tendency. Tennis ball. It's a tennis ball. The same. It's a that's tennis why ball. Tennis balls there. You just put a tennis ball there and you continually keep sucking it in. Every pass you suck the tennis ball in. Concentrate on the tennis ball. Try bringing the tennis ball in. Try bringing the tennis ball to the sky. So you, think it, you forget about everywhere else. Just the tennis ball. And then everything just works around that. It's so fascinating. As long as you're spreading your toes. As long as you're spreading your toes. <laughs> spreading your toes. And not, en- and not engaging your quadriceps. Wait a second, did you say not engaging your quadriceps? Again, not, I shouldn't say not engaging the quad. Don't dominate the quadriceps. Don't dominate, okay, I got you. You need to engage all the muscles. And too many people have a tendency to dominate with the quadriceps muscle, and there's the contraction. That's where the biggest problems arise. So if you can learn to spread the toes, then the quadricep engages, but so does the back of the leg, the side of the leg, all the muscles in the leg work. Not just the quadricep. They're all doing, they're all doing their own little thing. I think we often think of our bodies like in different parts, like, oh, if you go this way, it's for the hamstrings. If you go this yeah, way... Yeah, but that's... Again, I mentioned anatomy trains and Thomas Myers. So this is the new anatomy. This, it's, I guess it's uh, 10 or 12 years old now when it first started coming out. But it stopped looking at the body in sections and took the whole body as a one unit, whole one fabric, yeah. you know, which is tensegrity or fascia, all these things that people are starting to work with now and starting to understand. So it's, it's starting to come. But there's still the old school which came in, I don't know, from, you know, the way I look at it, Patabi Joyce, if you look at pictures of Patabi Joyce, you look at pictures of Kushimacharya, very, very rounded backs and everything they're doing, not flat at all, very much Dantian. Um, you, the Kavista Kondasana head touching the floor, very round back. Supta Kermasana, very round back, head touching. Even Marichiya Sana, forward bend Marichiya Sana, very, very round back. Because they're working with Dantian. Then came Westerners who probably came in from dance and gymnastics and started doing yoga with the approach of stretching. And this is what all the Westerners were doing in those days. All this ribs forward coming forward brought that into the yoga and they just took over. And that's the approach that we saw. Everybody's seeing that approach, and so everybody's copying them. That is what you see. That's what I've saw. That's happen. right, yeah. yeah. That's what you see. And, and how do we learn? If you understand how civilization developed, it's from watching. We copy somebody else. We see something and we copy, we emulate. So even the Indians, they, I see videos of Indians teaching now, they're teaching like the Westerners. We're doing the practice. They're not teaching like the Tabbage was. They're not teaching like Krishnamacharya's practice. They're not teaching like you see in any pictures up here, all very rounded backs from these old Indians. It's only the modern Indians that are doing the hinging. So it's very, it's changed. And that's what, you know, when I got into anatomy trains and started working with that understanding, it brought me more information on Dantian and other things that I just discovered. And then I looked at the pictures of Krishnamacharya and Patavi Joyce and other yogis and went, oh, maybe we've been doing it wrong. Maybe they just didn't teach us, which is... Well, the words weren't always well, there. Well, Kiruchi couldn't 
didn't, he couldn't speak English, he never understood me. When I asked him something, he'd look at Joanne and say, what did he say? <laughs> <laughs> so he didn't speak very much. And, you know, the same words, he, he always came out the old thing, oh, $25 fine, oh, bad lad, bad man, bad right. lady. You know? So they were the kind of things that came out of Pataba Joyce. Um, and plus his sweetness, of course. He was so sweet and tough that, that he was very, very sweet. Um, but beautiful. But that's, he didn't have a, he didn't explain it. And we were just doing, doing it. And he had bodies, you know, if you saw his Indian students, they weren't doing advanced postures. They were just coming in and doing the practice in the morning and going to work. And we were coming for three months or longer and just dedicating ourselves to being the best we could, pushing ourselves. And he could just push us and everybody was in pain. It's like, oh. And then, with, but everybody, as I said, you know, the guys would tell me, oh, it's normal. It's normal. It's okay. It'll, it'll, it'll go away. It's a breakthrough. And then um, what would happen if you stayed for three months, you were like limping out of a place. But after a month or six weeks, your body recovered and you could do the things that he was teaching you. So that's why people came. They said, well, it's just normal. Because it was progress. There it's is something not, probably to not, process. Probably not, probably not good. No, I mean, well, I mean, there is, there is something to the process, right? I mean, I think sometimes we want things right away or we want them without, I wouldn't say pain, but without a lot of effort. Like these things take a well, lot of... It takes effort. Right? Maybe you want them quicker, but the quicker you want them, the more effort you have to put in. So. But that was, that was, but don't think we were in Mysore. All we did was practice yoga. The rest, the rest of the day, we just recovered for the next day, which a lot of the yogis were doing. I know one guy that had built a bath, you know, a big 44-gallon drum, a huge drum, and filled it up with hot water coming in and, and salts and Epsom salts, and he'd get into that after class, and, you know, and things like this, just to be ready for the next day of practice. You know, that's how intense it was. And, you know, we're pushing ourselves. You've got, you know, now there's like 300 students in my school or something. You know, 60 people, 60, 70 people in the room all practicing all. That energy drives you. you know, that's, that's what happens in my school. You get into that space and there's that energy and you just push and you, everybody's pushing and people just tend to push you too hard sometimes. So. But then you leave and you recover, hopefully. But you've got the rest. And again, you're not doing anything else. You're there for the practice, so the rest of the day is like, okay, let's prepare for tomorrow. Sometimes we want to mimic what we find in one place and bring it back to the next place, but what you're explaining is very different when you went. Oh, when we went there, yeah, it was very, very different. There was no, there was no crowd. It was just, Guruji was there the whole time. Sometimes, like I said, just for two of us, Guruji would sit there, fall asleep, but he always woke up. He always woke up when it was time to make an adjustment. As much as I wished he wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I can get through this. I'll get through this posture. You're still asleep. I can do this. He'd wake up. <laughs> adjustment. And it didn't matter if I did the posture and he woke up after it. He would make me do it again anyway. So he was very certain posture that he was going to adjust. Do you miss him? Yes, in many ways, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, there was something, some beauty. I, I don't know. You saw the photo of him this morning. 
Yeah. Beautiful photo. That's, that's like, like tongue-in-cheek laughing. It's cheeky, cheeky picture of him. Yeah, that's how I remember him. He's, uh, he, was, he was always happy, always smiling. And always willing to, one more. You know, if we're full, well, we can fit you in one more. And just all that love he had, and yet so tough. Your students describe you in, without the tough part, but with the sweetness and the, the fun. Yeah, I don't know. They do. <laughs> How's it going to feel? Leaving? Yes, well, I not, can't even I'm, say I'm, the words. Well, I'm not really retiring. I'm, I'm just, I'm traveling so much these days. I can, you know, we have this place in Costa Rica, but I'm also have Europe and Asia I'm going to. So I'm doing a lot of training. So I won't be back here basically until next June. It was announced, not even September. So September to June next week, I'm pretty much booked except for a few weeks. And so, um, you know, we, I, did, I just decided to keep the community, you know, I was thinking about the community and said, what am I going to do? This community is falling to pieces because I'm not here and my best teachers are uh, trying to do their own things. You know, I can't give them work when I'm here. And so we ended up by not having the best teachers who weren't properly trained. And people feel that, so they just stopped coming. And then there wasn't enough people to support it. Whereas in the past, the last few years, I've been able to travel. I haven't been traveling as much. But I've been able to travel, and then the student base has been able to support it while I'm not here. So that's what I was working for, make sure that wasn't, was happening. But this last time, it was like, wow, what happened? So I approached uh, Terry in Yale, Yale is authorised, and said, why don't you take over the program? And, and then if you take it over, I know you two guys together can do it. One of you alone probably can't. But together you'll be able to keep it enough people will come. So, so that was the idea. And then they still want me to come and teach you if I'm in town. So, so see, how that, see how that works out. Which would be nice. I'm sure it will be nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah like I said, I don't think I can... I could stop teaching. It's too much fun. Too much. Uh, I don't know. Can I ask how old you are? Uh, I'll be 68 soon. So, so I'm still 67. Wow. I remember seeing a video of you on one of your birthdays. Oh, yeah, I do that every year. You do it every year, don't you? No, I'm starting to do it every year. I did it like three years ago, and then I, oh, I'll do it again, and do it again. Pressing up into a handstand. Yeah. So hopefully I can do it this year. I can still do it now, but I... I'm 51. You think there's still hope? <laughs> if you learn to get to the If I get to my tummy in. Because that's all it is. It's, it's, well, it's, again, it's upper body stability, which yes. means you've got to have strength. But once it's there, it's, it's really the upper body just being stable. The lift comes from Dantian. So there's a connection that happens there, so... And then you just have to be stable in the shoulders. So I'm not, I'm not really lifting with the shoulders, but I'm actually just getting a very strong foundation and supporting. When someone asks you what your practice is... Oh, it's much less. You say that, but then I asked you in the beginning what time you get here. Yeah, but we're doing, we're doing much more of a... We have a career practice, career practice which comes from the lineage of Babaji... Coming through Lahiri Mahasai, and it goes to the, we have our, our 
our teacher is uh, or guru is now Shalendra Sharma from a place in Govardhan. Very different practice. Um, much more breathing, uh, kumbhakas. So very much to do with breathing. And so it's pranayama, pranayama meditation. So much more powerful practice than the Ashtanga. And but that's without, where I was... But without the Ashtanga, I wouldn't be able to do the, the other practice. So you, you need to have both. So you've got to have a strong body to do the Kriya. You can't just suddenly do Kriya. No, you need to be strong. So, and you have to remain strong. So the Ashtanga is now a complement to the Kriya practice. It still sounds like a big practice. It's still a big practice. Yeah. It's, it's not like asanas. We, the, the career practice is no days off. Do it every day. So, but it's it's much better than. It's, it's, it's potent, isn't it? Hmm? I'm fascinated by the breath. It's potent. Yeah, the breath yeah. is it. So that's that's what you learn, and that's basically by doing the career practice. And, or, and anybody doing pranayama or kriya, but pranayama, if you're really into pranayama, your asana practice is going to change and be more revolved around the breath. The breath becomes so important, which it is supposed to be in Ashtanga anyway. The breath is supposed to be there, yeah, and, really, and you really learn to control it. And you really learn to keep it even, balanced, no straining, not quick, even. Tick, tick, tick like a pendulum. Just keep that rhythm the whole way. There's no stopping and starting, which, which I hear a lot. Are you still learning? Always. I'd get bored if I wasn't learning. Get excited when I learn something. And teaching is a way of learning. Being a teacher, you have to continually learn. And you have to understand what you're doing. You just can't do things. You have to explain what it is because people have questions. And especially when you're doing things differently to other people, you have to know what you're doing, what you're talking about. Otherwise, you, you know, it's just an empty wind. I, I had somebody adjust me once. And it was a Nancy Gilgoff student. And she adjusted me. And I said, well, what did you do that for? She said, oh, I don't know, but... Nancy does it to me, it feels good. <laughs> so you've got to know what you're doing. So, so. Well, I feel super honored and just grateful that I've got to spend the morning with you. Well, I've given you something to think about. Oh, which you've, is, well, which oh is, you've given me. <laughs> which is something I like to do, especially for long-time practitioners. And I, it's time to, to not just keep doing and doing, but actually think what you're actually doing. And it's... And give it a chance to experiment with something else. The research part, too, and to go home and be able to experience it. I I knew that when we walked in here, I couldn't ask you the questions and get the answers, but you did plant questions. You definitely planted questions. Yeah, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to have a look and see, okay, there's your practice. Here's here's the way you're practicing. Here's a different approach. Look at it. See what you think about it. What you do with it is something else, but... Whether you follow it or not, you're at least going to be thinking about it. Thank you. My pleasure. Wait, don't go away yet. Because I bet you have more questions, right? Well, take those questions and you to Costa Rica to spend time with Darby in person there. 
visit his website, sattvayogashala.com to start planning. This episode of the Ashtanga Dispatch podcast was edited and produced by Chris Lucas and hosted by me, Peg Queen. This episode was made possible by each and every one of you listening right now. Ashtanga Dispatch wouldn't be possible without you. Also, a shout out to our good friends, listeners like yourself, who support us through Patreon.com. It's only thanks to their contributions that we're able to keep this podcast going ad-free. If you'd like to join them in supporting the show, please visit Patreon.com backslash Ashtanga Dispatch. Chris, Megan, and I are so grateful for all the ways you support, not only in donations, but by sharing and subscribing. Enjoy the rest of your summer and see you again in the fall with Kino McGregor and Eddie Stern to start us off. Thanks again. Vishka Shantira.